0: Now we come back to the present time of Zerubbabel giving up on the building of the temple. They have a foundation, they have some walls, but now they've stopped. Then the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, son of Ido, prophesied concerning the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem. These are the prophetic books of Haggai and Zechariah that we will be going through a little bit later. These prophets come in. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel and Jeshua, the son of Zadok, began to rebuild the temple of God in Jerusalem. The prophets of God were with them, supporting them. So we're not told what the prophets say here, but when we read the prophetic books, we will hear what they say, and they're not happy. They're not happy that the temple was stopped. Now it was 536 that they started building the temple. It only took them about a year to build a foundation. They stopped building the temple when the other people began to oppose them, and then it was not until five twenty that they would start building the temple again that 's a long time to halt, so don 't think like they start stopped, and the prophets came in and they 're like, "Ooh, we need to get back on it again, and several months later they're going it 's going to be years later, and the prophets are going to be super angry that they have not only stopped building the temple. But they have redirected their efforts to their houses. And are now making their houses bigger and better and nicer. At that time, Tatinai, governor of the trans-Euphrates, Shesha Barbazoni and their colleagues came to them and asked, Who gave you authority to rebuild this temple and to complete the structure? They also asked them, What are the names of the men who are building the F-F edifice? But God was watching over the elders of Judah and they were not stopped until the report could be dispatched to Darius and the letter could be sent back concerning this. Now a new guy comes along and this is Tatanini and he is an actual official Persian governor. So the first opposition was just locals that lived in Samaria and didn't like what was happening. Now there's an actual Persian official ethnically a Persian who's been stationed here to promote Persian interests. And he's way more diplomatic. He knows like they haven't been building. It's been sixteen years and they haven't been building the temple. So he comes in and says, wait a minute, who gave you permission to build this temple? I'm a governor here and I don't know anything. And so they tell them, but notice that he's way more diplomatic. He's not being he's not attacking them he's not telling them to stop building the temple he just says i'm going to look into this and so he writes a letter to darius verse six this is a copy of the letter of tatanini the governor of the trans euphrates shethar bazani and his colleagues who were the officials of trans euphrates sent to king darius the report they sent to him was written as follows to king darius all greetings let it be known to the king that we have gone to the providence of Judah, to the temple of the great God, is being built with large stones and timbers are being placed in the walls. This work is being done with all diligence and is prospering in their hands. Notice way more um, factual, not making up lies. They're rebellious. They're opposing you. They're going to stop paying taxes. He's just saying, this is what I saw with my own eyes. They're hardworking. This is how they're building. Now notice they haven't given up. The Haggai and Zechariah inspired them to have courage. And they basically went to the, provident, the, the official and said, this is, we, have, we have an edict to do this. And so they have a lot more courage now that the prophets kind of kicked them in the rear end. We inquired of those elders asking them, who gave you authority to rebuild this temple and to complete this structure? We also inquired their names in order to inform you so that we might write the names of these men who were with their lead, who were their leaders. They responded to us in the following way. We are the servants of God of heaven and earth. We are rebuilding the temple which was previously built many years ago. A great king of Israel built it and completed it. That would be Solomon. But after our ancestors angered God of heaven, he delivered them into the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed the temple and exiled the people to Babylon. But in the first year King Cyrus of Babylon, King Cyrus enacted a decree to rebuild the temple of God. Even the gold and the silver vessels of the temple of God that Nebuchadnezzar had been, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem had brought to the palace, p- palace of Babylon. Even those King Cyrus brought from the palace of Babylon and presented it to the man by the name of Sheshabar, Sheshbazar, whom he had appointed as governor. He said to him, Take these vessels and go deposit them in the temple in Jerusalem and let the house of God be rebuilt in the proper location. Then Shesh Bazar went and laid the foundations of the temple of God in Jerusalem from the time to the present moment. It has been in the process of being built, and although it is not yet finished. Now that's a much more accurate report. There's no slander. There's no lies. It's straight up accurate. And knows that the people have gained greater confidence now. Before they were crippled with fear and stop. Now they give an accurate report, and they list two things. Our God has given us the command to do this, and your Persian emperor gave us an edict to do this. They're quoting both authorities as their backing. Verse 17, Now if the king is so inclined, let his search be conducted. This is Tatanides speaking again. Conducted in the royal archives there in Babylon in order to determine whether the king of Cyrus did in fact issue the orders for this temple of God to be rebuilt in Jerusalem. Then let the king send us a decision concerning this matter. Notice way more diplomatic. He doesn't say this is rebellion. They're opposing you. Look up. You'll find that they're evil, bad people. Rebelled. Let's get this stopped. He just says, can you please search the records and find out they're speaking the truth? That's all I need to know. That's way more diplomatic, way more authoritative. That shows that he does not have an axe to grind. Chapter 6, verse 1. So Darius the king issued orders, and they searched in the archives of the treasury, which were deposited there in Babylon. And a scroll was found in the citadel of Ecbatana, which is in the province of Media, and it was inscribed as follows. Memoranda. Now, what is a memoranda? This is not an edict. An edict is an official law that's inscribed in the laws, saying this is what must happen. A memoranda is the equivalent of um, meeting minutes. Okay, so somebody would be taking meeting minutes recording the edicts that the king is giving. They can't find the edict for whatever reason. But they found the meeting minutes that a secretary took saying that an edict was given. That is just as authoritative as an edict. So the memoranda in the first year of the reign of King Cyrus gave orders concerning the temple of God in Jerusalem. Let the temple be rebuilt as a place where sacrifices are offered. Let its foundations be set in place. Its height is to be 90 feet and its width 90 feet. This is way bigger than Solomon's temple. With three layers of large stones, way more than Solomon's temple, and one layer of timber. The expenses to be subsidized by the royal treasury furthermore let the gold and the silver vessels of the temple of god which nebuchadnezzar brought from the temple in jerusalem and carried to babylon be returned and brought to their proper place in the temple of jerusalem let them be depo- deposited in the temple of god now tatani governor of trans euphrates shethar bazani and their colleagues and the official of the trans euphrates all of you stay far away from there leave the work on this temple of god alone Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews rebuild this temple of God in its proper place. I also hereby issue orders as to what you are to do with those elders of the Jews in order to rebuild the temple of God. From royal treasury, from the taxes of the trans-Euphrates, the complete costs are to be given to these men, so that there may be no interruption of the work. Whatever is needed, whatever oxen or rams or lambs or burnt offerings for God of heaven or wheat or salt or wine or oil are required by the priests who are in Jerusalem must be given to them daily without any neglect so that they may be offering incense to God of heaven and may be praying for the good fortune of the king and his family i hereby give order that if anyone changes this directive a beam is to be pulled out of from his house and he is to be raised up and impaled on it and his house is to be reduced to rubbish heap for this indiscretion May God who makes his name to reside there overthrow any king or nation who reaches out to cause such change so as to destroy this temple of God in Jerusalem. I, Darius, have given orders. Let them be carried out with precision. Now this is powerful. When they gave in to the fear and quit, nothing happened. When they confidently by faith said, we're building a temple because God told us to, God totally backed. And he moved the king of an empire to support them. So not only did they find the edict or the memorandum and say, yep, that's exactly what Cyrus II said. In fact, he gave prescriptions to build a temple way bigger than anything they're building. And he said, support them financially. So Darius comes in and says, so I'm telling you to leave them alone. And not only that, you're to take all the money from your own treasuries and give it to them. And then here's what's huge. Not only that, you're to make sure that the daily sacrifices never stop for lack of money. And it never puts an end, like in the year 2015 or anything like that. He just says the implications indefinitely. So this is total backing. This is definitely God. This is definitely God. When they shrunk in fear, everything stopped, and they halted. But when they stood in conflict and said, God has backed us, then God moved emperors and treasuries to make it happen. And this is a powerful testimony to a lot of times we back off in fear and we lose faith and we say, see, I told you, they always win or the conflict is too great. And it reinforces that lack of faith because nothing happens. But nothing happens because we're not stepping out in faith. But the minute they step out in faith, then it's like Gideon defeating the enemy, and it's David defeating the enemy. It's the parting of the Red Sea. It's, it's financial this time, and it's the will of an emperor. And it may not be the parting of the Red Sea, but it's the parting of an emperor's will. And that's powerful in itself too. And so he backs them. And then he's so adamant in supporting them I think this would be a horrible way to die. He says, let a beam you know your house it's your place of comfort and security and, your, and all that. Let your own sense of worth, security and comfort and belonging be torn down and the wood used to impale you if you disobey this. That's power. Verse 13. Then Tatani governor of the Trans Euphrates and Shethar, Bosnia, and their colleagues acted accordingly with precision, just as Darius the king had given instructions. The elders of the Jews continued building and prospering, while at the same time Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Ido continued prophesying. They built and brought it to completion by the command of God of Israel, by the command of Cyrus, of Darius, and of the king of Persia. And they finished this temple on the third day of the month of Adar, which is the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. So they started in 536 and halted that same year. They didn't start rebuilding again until 520, and then they finished in 515 BC. And they now have the second temple of Israel. Verse 16, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites and the rest of the exiles observed the dedication of the temple of God with joy, with joy, For the dedication of the temple of God, they offered 100 bull sacrifices, 200 rams for 400 lambs, and 12 male goats for the sin of all of Israel, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. That was the first dedication sacrifice. That's lots of wealth. If you translate that to cars, that will give you an idea of how wealthy this is. They appointed the priests by their divisions and the Levites by their divisions over the worship of God of Jerusalem in accord with the book of Moses. That's the book of the law. So they're being obedient to the law. The exiles observed the Passover on the 14th day of the first month and the priests and the Levites had purified themselves every last one of them. Continue the Exodus theme. So they celebrate the Passover which celebrates God's provision for them by being protected from the wrath of God. They were all ceremonially pure, and they sacrificed the Passover lamb for the exiles and for their colleagues and the priests and for themselves. The Israelites who were returning from the exile ate it along with those who had joined them and separating themselves from the uncleanliness of the nations of all the land to seek Yahweh God of Israel. They observed the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which was the festival that was the very next day after the Passover and lasted for seven days. With joy, but Yahweh had given them joy and had changed the opinion of the King of Assyria toward them, so he assisted them in the work of the temple of God and the God of Israel. Now it says that he had changed the mind of the king of Assyria there hasn 't been a king of Assyria for a long time, but it wasn 't uncommon for the king to be called the king of a previous empire if he 's in that region. So Assyria used to have really direct control here, and in that sense, he is the king of Assyria. Because Babylon took over Syria, and then now he's taken over Babylon, so he technically is the king of Syria. And so it wasn't uncommon for these emperors to have multiple names. And they would say, I am the king of Assyria, and Babylon, and Egypt, and Persia. Because they're acknowledging that they control everything that these past people did. And so that's not a textual problem. Now notice it ends that God changed their opinion. When the people show faith, then God responds. And Jesus says, you have not because you ask not. And this is a very important thing to see. And so their lack of faith was temporary. They they met in opposition. The prophets came in and kicked them in the rear and they got their faith back in order and amazing things happened. The major... There's only two little things that are opposed to them right here. One, they are no seem to be very uncompromising and not inviting these people to explore their faith even more as they come. However, they were totally legit in saying you can't help build the temple. And then two, they allowed the opposition to affect them too much. But that didn't last very long. That didn't last very long. Now there's one final note here. There's something that is not mentioned. The Shekinah glory of God did not enter the temple. When they built the tabernacle at the end of Exodus 40, the Shekinah glory of God entered the tabernacle. When they built the temple in chapter 8 of 1 Kings, the Shekinah glory of God entered the temple. Now remember Ezekiel's vision. In chapter 1 and 2 of Ezekiel, God and Ezekiel saw a vision of God's glory leaving the temple of God. Because the Jews were like, there's no way that the Babylonians can ever destroy Jerusalem or the temple, because God lives here. And you can't say that Nebuchadnezzar is greater than God. And Ezekiel got God's answer. Oh yeah, they can destroy the temple in Jerusalem, because I'm not going to be there anymore. And he leaves. And he leaves, leaving the temple to be just a building. It is at that point that it's destroyed. But Ezekiel chapter 40 through the end of the book has a vision of a new temple being rebuilt. And the temple is big and has multiple gates, meaning multiple people can enter from all different directions, including all the nations. And the walls are really small, meaning that the point is not keeping people out anymore, it's getting people in. And this river flows out of the temple and goes to all the world and turns the entire world into a Garden of Eden, and then all the nations flood in. This is supposed to be that temple. This temple is nowhere even close to what Ezekiel envisioned in size. It has one gate and one entrance and high walls. Ezekiel envisioned multiple gates and low walls for multiple nations. There's no river flowing out of it. And there's no Shekinah glory of God returns. And so what God is doing is this is another point making. This is another fact that's supporting the point that exile is not really over with. Ezekiel envisioned that when that glory of God returned to the temple, then exile was over with. And the fact that it hasn't returned means that yes, they need a temple and yes, they need to make sacrifice for atonement for sin, but that's because it's very important. But, and yes, God is with them, but God is not physically dwelling with them like he did. Because remember, their hearts haven't been changed. And God can't dwell with them until their hearts change, according to Jeremiah and according to Zechariah. And according to Deuteronomy, we're entering the period where the exile is still going. And I, and I showed you uh, when we talked about the temple with the prophets, that the, the temple that Ezekiel is visioning is Jesus. And so Jesus is the temple, and he has that river, the water that flows out of his side, which is the Holy Spirit, and he goes to all the nations at Pentecost, and it is at that moment that then the whole world starts turning into the kingdom of God as believers begin to accept Christ. And the temple gets bigger and bigger because now it's for all nations. And the body of Christ has multiple ethnicities and multiple genders across the world. Yes, this is good. And yes, God wants this. And yes, they can have sacrifices. But God hasn't returned in a physical sense. And He will not return until the gospels and so this is the sad point here as we read this story that it's so, it's it's good and there's some faith now but this is not what Daniel and the prophets were hoping for they still have to wait so that's the first return under Zerubbabel